You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. If you guys haven't checked out the new Navigator series from Lacrosse, I strongly suggest you do that. Two really good boots within that Navigator series, the Windrose and the Atlas. If you want to find out more information about all of the boots that Lacrosse offers, visit their website, lacrossefootwear.com. You won't regret it. XP podcast with your host Steve Fielder and me Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we are recording from the Canyon de Chez Lodge in Thunderbird Lodge in Navajo Nation, Chinle, Arizona. So we've got the whole Houndsman XP team on this legendary first annual Houndsman XP Freedom Hunters Hound Adventure. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. We're going to have to work on trimming that down. <laughs> Yeah, we need a better slogan for that, like just do it or, you know, yeah. something like that. I don't know. We've got a whole year, to, well, a little less than a year to figure it out if we do it at the same time. Yeah. But but you know what? As long as that is, it doesn't even touch it. how much fun we had this week, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. No doubt. But uh, anyway, in this episode, you're going to hear from one of our, uh, two of our members on this hunt. One will be in our Gold Star family member, Tanner Babb who is the man of the hour. Uh, our l- regular listeners have already heard his story, and you can always go back and pick that up in previous episodes that we've done about Freedom Hunters and, and uh, with Tanner in the past. Also, shout out to Rez Hounds. Man, what a great mm. host this week. <laughs> Calvin Redhouse and Rez Hounds. Man, yeah. you not only get a get, great outfitter, a guy that works hard. Man, he could do stand-up, right? Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> oh, he's the a man guy. that's funny. <laughs> I had a great time riding in the truck with them, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Lauren, you were sporting some gear this week that I haven't, I'm not familiar with. Yeah, sure. So it's actually kind of my first full-on hunting get-up that I've put together, um, Proas. Uh, was able to get me a great discount and get me suited up for for this hunt. Um, I had the Torre pants, the Torre shirt, the down vest, um, the Torre beanie, and I also had uh, tried out the lacrosse windrose boots that you guys hear about on every episode, and I really, really liked them. Great. Yeah, it was fun to wear. Oh, and I had the Merino base layers, too, by Proas. And I felt comfortable the whole time. It was awesome. Yeah, I think that's Good one stuff. of the things that a lot of people miss in, in premium hunting gear is, is the ability to strip those layers off or put them on as they're needed. And each layer has a specific function. I know that 
as we headed up the mountain in, in the Kuyu gear that we were wearing, you know, we got down to the Merino base layer pretty quick, or we started out in the Merino base layer because we knew we were going to be there quick. So, Yeah, uh, there was definitely a lot of on and off of, of the gear layers. Um, and, you know, it's suited for women, so the pro stuff just really worked for me. Yeah. You know, uh, and the climate range that we were hunting in this week, you know. Yeah. We were going from teens to 40s just by dropping a few hundred feet. and. Right. Our gear worked well. Pro's work get well for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'd sport this stuff again and again. Good. It's better than, you know, jeans and long johns and a sweatshirt and a Carhartt. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we've had a lot of help on this deal, starting with Freedom Hunters. Oh, Freedom Hunters. Yeah, Anthony Pace. What a great guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed spending the week with Anthony and. Uh, of course, he did a lot uh, to make this an enjoyable week for all of us. And, uh, the lodging here at the Thunderbird Lodge has just been awesome. I uh, didn't know what to expect here in Chinle, Arizona, but man, it's been a great place to stay. It's got that side, that uh, Navajo feel to it, the, the core of this place, and all comfortable. We had our rooms all together where we could kind of interact and, and all, and uh, yeah, big shout out to Anthony, man. He's doing a great job. This Freedom Hunters thing. Um, last night, I believe it was, when we were at the restaurant and had the presentation that he made to to Calvin of that really nice Freedom Hunters plaque of the flag and everything and recognition of the guys. It kind of all came together for me that last night emotionally. Yeah, you I know? would say a lot, a lot of people were emotional about it and yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it made me proud to be part of it. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, our good friend Gary Robertson at Carnivore and Burner Brothers Game Calls and and Ruger and Hornady and Trigicon and and uh, we can't we wouldn't even got Tanner here without W. W Hunting Supply. You know those guys do a great job, buddy, out there. You know was. Flew our our guest hunter here, Tanner, to to the hunt, and and we'll be uh, uh, taking him back home. Uh, and yeah, just uh, uh, we always appreciate Buddy. And you know, I saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of W gear on the mountain, and I saw. Uh, I met a couple of uh, uh, of the uh, Navajo uh, hunters this week that uh, went on a hunt with us. Uh, Patron and and his dad, uh, uh, and they were wearing W gear. Yeah, uh, logo. I was wear, happy to see that. Hat. You know, and uh, so yeah, big shout out to Buddy and all his gang. They do a great job. Right, right. Let's not forget Jason Doobie too. Oh, He's been man. on a podcast, but Jason's Jason's just a a great asset to W. So he's our go to guy. Yeah, he yeah. definitely is. Yeah, yeah he. It, Jason, <laughs> I thought it was funny the other day. I was taking a little, little bit of offense at somebody calling me the old man, and and Jason's wife posted on social media said, "Well, when they said the old man, they were talking about Chris." <laughs> <laughs> I hope no one would confuse me as the old man, but you know, you never know. Yeah, hey, I'll no I'll wear that, that proudly. Yeah. I, I know I'm the old guy, but hey. You guys are really going to enjoy this episode coming up. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think 
people need to buckle in and, and really enjoy this episode. You're going to hear a lot of uh, just emotional reaction from our Gold Star hunter, Tanner, yep. uh, a guy that had no hound experience at all and uh, had a few preconceived ideas but really went into it open-minded and by the end of the week he was just he was totally immersed into the houndsman lifestyle yeah. he wanted to know everything he could yeah. about it yeah and talking about you know stuff that could happen in the future you maybe a year from now so that's awesome and i encourage all of our listeners to do some research after you hear this episode check out the uh the freedom hunters and see how you can help out um, in the future and there will be a future Absolutely. Absolutely. This is just the first annual. Annual. It's not the only. So. That's right. And we'll work on a, on on the the title of this this hound adventure. <laughs> Maybe come up with a cool acronym or something. That's right. Well, HXP, we've got that, so yep. we can just keep those letters rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sit back and let the tape roll and enjoy this episode. It's a good one. Decision to relocate especially when it comes to finding a hound-friendly environment in which to live. REMAX Hall of Fame realtor Evan Harrell is a houndsman himself, and he and his team understand your relocation needs as no one else can. With so many things to consider before you move, Evan can help you find just the right location anywhere in the country whenever you decide to go and will even help with the process of selling your present home. And Steve, Remax Elite Realty is based in Franklin, North Carolina. Evan Harrell specializes in residential sales and especially in helping people like us to relocate to the locations we choose anywhere in the United States. Remax has been the leader in residential transactions since 1999 and rated the number one brand in real estate. Evan has been named top producer four years in a row, and Chairman's Club recipient in 2018. Contact Evan online at evanherald.com or give him a call at 828-371-5103. You and your hounds will be glad you did. Put that headset on (laughs) so I can hear you. Got me, Chris. I got every. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll be all right, man. Hey, that's better. I can, I can the, hear you guys. I the, can hear you. If the room's rocking, don't come knocking. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So, welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast, and we are in Navajo Nation, Northeast Arizona, and uh, we've been up here all week on the Freedom Hunters' first annual Hound Adventure. With our Gold Star family member, Tanner Babb. And don't say anything yet, Tanner. We'll get to you in a minute because Steve and I have our own little skit we got to do here. But uh, <laughs> we've got my co-host right across the room, which is very unusual. I get a look at you, Steve. Hey, that's for sure, man. And I tell you what, it it really is kind of uh, scary. <laughs> well, I'll tell, you what's, I'll tell you the scary thing. Between... The fact that I've got this weak beard that I've got going on here, this mountain lion or mountain man thing that I've got going on, my my nephews the other at Christmas they came up to me and they said they started laughing and snickering. I said, "What are you laughing about?" And and they they wouldn't say. And I said, 
Well, you can tell me that it looks like a dead possum crawled up on my face, <laughs> you know. So, but Steve, you're you're rocking it over there. You got the hat on backwards. You got the red oh, yeah, hat on backwards. Hey, hey, I'm on the res now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is great, man. I I've uh, busted out this week. You know, man. I even walked some in the woods. You know, I wow. mean, up uphill on a grade. No kidding. Not a flat. And there was no water up to my neck. No cotton mouth swimming around my knees. No alligator eyes out there staring at me. Yep. You know, no oranges falling off I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting me on the head. Yeah, you know? so you can't wear a soft cap down there because not, the oranges no, falling no, out of the trees. No, not at all. But, no, it's all cool, man. Yep. Good to be out here. Yeah. Amazing country. Yes, it is. I'm, you know, this is probably one of the most uh, – unrecognized parts of our country you know last night we drove up along canyon de Chez, which is amazing they call it the uh america's grandest canyon and it really does rival the views of of uh, the grand canyon it's got its own history the the whole cave dwelling thing going on from every lookout and of course lauren had to crawl out on the edge of the rocks oh yeah yeah how do you feel about the heights? Uh, you know what? I uh, don't do heights <laughs> very well. <laughs> uh, the pucker factor. You yeah. heard of that, right? Yeah. When I peep over that precipice like that, you know, flying, flew all, you know, all over the world. No problem. Look out the window, 30,000 feet. That's cool. Yeah. Precipice. Possibility that you could... Mm, a wind could blow, or that rail could break, or a fault not, a fault line shift. Not, not a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. I almost killed myself there at uh, at the canyon the other day. I went around the, the spider side. rock. Spider rock, yeah. yeah, which is very cool. Yeah. In fact, uh, Calvin told me what about that legend about spider rock. But anyway. I was tiptoeing around through this little maze of rocks to get a better view, and I stepped on black ice, man. I did everything but bust it. Yeah, <laughs> and there was nothing between you except a rock wall, a guardrail, and 15 feet of flat ground before That's you right. made it to the edge. But it was a death-defying feat. It was. Well, Calvin, we got Calvin Redhouse in the house. He's been our guide and our outfitter most of the week and or all week. And um, how are you, Calvin? I'm great, man. We had a it was a fun time with you guys. You know, just chatting, teasing, joking, laughing, talking, yeah, fighting, arguing. Did you put my Freedom Henry's hat hat on? Nope, this is mine. That is not your. That about. is not your hat. <laughs> no, nope, this is mine. That is not. Know. Where's my Freedom Hunter's hat? I that is know. my Freedom Hunter's hat. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> so, yeah, this week was really interesting. Yeah, we got to meet. Well, we finally got to all meet face-to-face and realize how ugly you two look. But um, other than that, it's been a we great time. We met down in Springerville. Oh, Hunted yeah, that's right. A days. You were the nightmare down in Springerville. Yeah, I had to put up with your garbage yeah, down right. there a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a full week of it this week. Yeah, we sure did. Oh, who's 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 our other guest today? Our other guest? Yeah. Well, we you're Red House, and that's Red Beard over oh, there. Oh, yeah. That, that's, I forgot about Tanner that guy. He's sitting, in, he's sitting in the corner because 
He's a redhead, and everybody really likes redheads. So we decided to put him in the corner, tell him to face it, and don't come out until we're ready for you. So he's uh, over there right now. I've learned at least that's how it works on the reservation. You know, redheads are treated differently. That's for sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tanner, you know, all joking aside, it's been an honor having you out here this week. Uh, it, the Freedom Hunters opportunity we had here, the Hound Adventure, you know, I think uh, it's obvious from feeling the chemistry in the camp here that that you've had a good time and probably built some lasting memories here. So it's been an honor. I've you've been extremely. It's been an honor to be here with you. So, well, well thank you. Yeah, and I've I've had a blast. Um, I know we didn't end up getting away uh, with that mountain lion, but if you would have called me and said, "Hey, you can do it all again, and you're still not going to get a mountain lion," I'd I'd be right here doing the same thing. I had an awesome time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that, that I've noticed, I don't know, it's just maybe psychological, but once I get out here, I feel better. I feel, I feel good. I just like being in, in the West. Yeah. You stand on one of these vistas, you know, or whatever up on a mesa or whatever, an outcropping of, or, uh, uh, you know, and look out across the vastness of this place, you know? I mean, that old song, you, I can see for miles and miles. It's like hundreds of miles. And every direction, it's a, a another view that just is breathtaking. It really is an amazing yeah. place. Yeah. Rugged, yeah. Right. The red, red cliffs and in the afternoon sun. That's Amazing. crazy. It's, it's crazy. Gosh. Those rocks turn colors all day long. Yeah. Depending on the angle. They of the do. Sun. And a couple of times we even lose Tanner a couple of times because he blends right in with those red rocks. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to let you go, Tanner. You're going to have to come no, back. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I joke around a lot. Yeah, but um, in all reality and truth, this on Tanner, it was, it's been a true pleasure, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a vet. We're all vets, every one of us in this room. Yeah. You know, we all served our country, but it was it was a true honor, man, um, to to honor and host you as our as our first freedom uh, freedom hunters here on the Navajo Nation, and uh, to you know you know honor you because you you know how your father served. You know, he's one of the few that you know didn't make it home, but you know thank thank him for his service and uh, you and your family for all the hardships that you endured well uh you know well you went through that process of uh your father not being around but I, I thank your dad and you for your service thank you and i think your dad would be proud of of the man you become tanner i think i can say that after spending a week with you oh yeah Navajo nation i was thinking about that this week chris you know uh, uh people have different personalities we don't you know everybody's different but this guy right here, uh, he's the real deal. <laughs> you know, the thing I enjoyed most about you, Tanner, this week was, uh, man, you got into this hound dog thing. You you had a lot of questions, you know, and what are they doing and what does this mean and what does that mean? I mean, you weren't like a bystander. And I also, you know, you were right there with Calvin every step all week long, man. I mean, there wasn't any hanging back. You know, but still, I was really, I was flattered by the fact that you would come and ask questions. You know, what are the dogs doing? What does this mean? What does that mean? 
uh, yeah, I think we even sparked a little interest maybe in getting you getting a hound sometime. I I think you might have. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it was hard not to not to ask all the questions. It was so cool watching all the dogs take off and work and and learn from you guys. It's been been great. Well, Tanner, you were actually—I walked up to the truck yesterday, and he's in there running the garment. You know, he's running the yeah. alpha, tracking dogs and right. and doing different things. And he's and, a heck of a radio man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised his MOS wasn't communications. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's talk about this hunt a little bit this week. You know, we 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 didn't get the mountain lion that for Tanner. But uh, we did we did tree align this week. It was a day early, while Calvin and I were out scouting and and uh, really just getting my dogs out on the ground and getting them acclimated to to this climate and stuff. And ended up treeing a lion on uh, what was that Monday? Monday. Yeah, Monday because they came in on Tuesday. We said yeah. they, they just we're just a day day too early. Oh, I know. Yeah, uh, we. Uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, we did what we did. You know, park, what did you guys do on that? How did you start that lion? <clears throat> I, that was, I was in on that Tuesday flight with Tanner and, and Lauren. Uh, we did we did the exact same thing we did all week, you know, because, because of uh, the accessibility is not that well in units 1 and, one and 12, and we were in unit 12, and we just drove as far as we could. And then from there, we just, you know. It's ground pounding. Yeah, put the yeah. boots on the ground, and we walked up uh, maybe, what, four or 500 yards to the base of the mountain, and the dog struck, and they just took it. And from there, it was <clears throat> listening to them climb that mountain. We were just looking up like, please bring him back down. Please bring him <laughs> back down. And it was, we were sitting around, what, 7,000, and the top was right around 9,000. So it was Probably. it was yeah. a good – it was good, about to be a good climb until the dog's – listened to us and uh brought him back down you know chased that cat right back down off that mountain and brought him right by us what would you say behind us yeah they went they chased the cat right by us like what 50 yards was it like 50 yards to the right of us yeah Yeah. and brought him back down right by us and behind us and we never had to walk eight tenths of a mile back the other direction yep yep We, we climbed the mountain one to one tree the cat bailed on us he did a loop out around us and cut our trail behind us. And uh, then we ended up walking another nine-tenths into that tree. That one was pretty fun, but it got cold fast. It did. Once that ma- once the sun gets behind the mountain here. <laughs> yeah. We sat up there for a while and took pictures and... and uh, admired the show. Admired the, yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> admired the show and then... We decided when the sun started dropping down behind the those red rocks, we were out of there. Yep, because what the wind was blowing up that cut, right, pretty hard, and it was just unbearable. I would say, what, what what's time limit on that? What do you think that took? A couple hours, probably. Oh yeah, it, I think we started around one. I think it was like right around one, and then we didn't get back to the truck until. I don't know, but it took a while for them to go all the way up and come back down and around and finally put it up so we can go over there. So, yeah, it took it took a minute. Very long minute, but it was a minute. Yeah, a minute. A minute or, or <laughs> a minute or 200. Yeah. So. Well, I enjoyed seeing the 
uh, photo, you know, good-looking cat, really. Yeah, he was Wasn't beautiful. Wasn't a huge cat, but he was, high, what was he, about a two-year-old, three-year-old? He was, he was somewhere in between two to three. You know, he still had a little bit of milk on his lips, so. <laughs> but he was, yeah. But he was, he he was a legal cat. No spots on his underbelly. Um, it was a tom, so therefore, you know, he definitely didn't have no kittens with him. So he was a legal cat. If if that's you know, if in all legality, you were in the right to take that cat if you wanted. Um, other than that, you know, it was, it was a fun adventure for that day. And then after that, we turned. Tanner showed up and took a while to warm up to one another, but after that happened, you know, it was no no holding back after that. Yeah, so so Gary Robertson was up here too, and uh, we just kind of spread out on the res here since they kind of took away those prime units that what they close what units they closed two they closed two three four and five there was a ten there was a ten cat limit for those units and. Uh, those units got closed out real quick. Within I think a week, they were closed out. Yeah. And it was, it was heart wrenching because uh, we had a, I had a couple of cats already picked out, and I knew where they, you know, roam and hunted, and they stayed in that area all the time. So I was, you know, I had my fingers crossed, and I was like, "Yep, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a fun time," because those, uh, those cats are still in that area, and yep, they closed it out. They closed it out four days too early. That that's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. So, I have a question. It involves what you said earlier, Calvin, about it was a tom, just like that. It was a tom. You could recognize that. I'm a novice lion hunter, bobcat hunter, actually. What? Uh, how do you know? How can you sex that lion in the tree? Well, there's there's several different ways, and the main obvious way is you would have. The tail, and then the the anus of the cat, and then right underneath the anus of the cat, right near where its uh, genitals would be, there's a black spot, a big black spot, the size of a quarter. That's the the main way to tell if it's a cat, and uh, or if it's a tom. I'm sorry. And then the other way is just the toms have more mus muscular uh, structures to them while they're sitting there. So like their forearms would look completely massive this huge their paw their front paws are huge and the way that i have um a real good way of telling is um the body of a mature tom is usually as long as the tail so if the tail looks short on a cat on a tom or any any lion then that's a that's a big that's a big cat um if the cat if the tail looks longer than the body yeah, that's probably one that you should let let go and grow a little bit more. But there's there's different ways, you know, um and you can go by the size of the measurement of the strides. But mm-hmm. you know, um all cats are different. The strides the strides down here in Arizona are not gonna be the same strides that you would have further up north in Montana and especially up in Canada. You know, those strides are way different. You know, the further north you go, the bigger the bigger the animal. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, that's, that's just been the way I've been able to figure it out. Yeah. And mostly from experience, I'd say, probably. Just a little bit from experience. <laughs> just a little bit. So. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week do you spend in the mountains? 
What do you think? As much as I can, to be honest with you. Any time that I get, I'm I'm out there. This whole week, we've been in the mountains six days straight. You know? Yeah. And it's been – actually, no, it's – that's pretty normal for you, though. That's yeah. That's kind of normal for me. I spend a lot of time in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes me, so I usually end up spending all my time alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't keep up with you. <laughs> uh, you know, driving or walking. <laughs> <laughs> There's very few that can't keep up when it comes to driving. Yeah, yeah no doubt. If you're not first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ricky Bobby. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. So, when you get your hounds out of the box, tell us about that pack of hounds you're running. Well, it's really nothing special. It's not one breed. It's a mix of breeds. Uh, Like we've discussed in the previous podcast, you know, I'm not – I don't care about the color or the name or all I care about is the nose. That nose works and it can get the job done. It's staying in that box and it's staying with me. It can be the ugliest thing you can possibly have, and if he can get get the job done, hey, he's hired and he's staying with me. Right. So, right. so uh, it's 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 just a mix of everything, you know, a red tick, and now a plot, and um, mm-hmm. red tick, blue tick, um, Walker, fifty fifty of Walker and blue tick, um, and even a Walker slash gas can. So it's a if they work, they stay. One thing I noticed, like yesterday when we got on the rocks up there, Tanner, do you notice those, you know, Tanner's hounds, or uh, I'm sorry, Calvin's hounds were taking naps on that red rock cliff? Yeah, and was that the first time you were, you were with us? Because it's happened several times this week where I look over and they're just sitting there napping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually because we're waiting on you to get up the mountain. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's been all week, right, Chris? Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's been fun. A oh, lot of man. fun. It, but the thing I saw, it, when I saw that, when I looked over there and I saw, you know, they they all found their little spots. They've spent so much time in the mountains with you, Calvin, that they know when it's time to go and they know when it's time to lay down and conserve energy. And you don't get that kind of behavior out of hounds unless you spend a lot of time with would you agree with that? Steve? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I saw that too in the way the dogs handled. Uh, you know, we saw this a bit with I uh, well, quite a bit with Shorty Gorham when we were down in South Texas hunting with his pack, and Calvin's got the same thing going on. You know, those dogs. You know, when he whistles or or, or calls, man, they're busting it to get there, uh, loading up. You know. <laughs> waiting in the box as he calls their name and they come out to get the collar, uh, the garment on them and whatever. But, yeah, houndsmanship. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. I never saw a lead on any of – Do you even have a lead? There's somewhere. I I do have some. (laughs) Enough for the dogs. But the only time I I do carry leads is uh, during bear season and I do have a shooter. Just because of the safety of dogs and how heavy that bear is when it comes down off of that, mm-hmm. with the help of gravity, you know. So yeah. that's the only time I, I do carry leads. But they're in line when we're line hunting like this. I, I normally don't carry leads because the dogs usually I, I'll call them off of the off of the tree and then I'll tell the shooter to you know pull the trigger, and that cat will bail off of it. By that time the dogs are back 
near me, and then they realize what's going on, and then that cat's already on the ground, and they'll beeline for that cat if the shooter either misses or, uh, you know, it puts a bad shot on or whatever it may be, you know, they're back on the hot on the hot on the tracks. But other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't really carry leads. Uh, they break and they listen from listen to the command. So, you know, they tell them to break from the tree. They'll, they better leave it. Otherwise, you know. That's what you're going to need color on for. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. They're going to get some uh, stern loving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so suffice to say, you know, we did the hunt wasn't successful this week as far as a lion goes. But you guys did have some action on another cat. You guys want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. It was a, it was a fun time. Uh, Tanner, give us your impression yeah, of the bobcat hunt. You're over there all quiet well, and stuff. Uh, the bobcat hunt. So we went out. Was that the second or third day? That was on the third day, yeah. Third day. So, yeah, we were making our way up the mountain, and um, it was about the same as the first two days. Uh, get out there, drive as far as you can, push up the mountain, uh, follow the dogs. Um, I think we found two trails, uh, two mountain line trails the dogs had got on, but they are a little bit old. Um, so we pulled them off, tried to tried to get them on another, uh, another trail, and uh, it, it was getting close to time where we needed to get out in the mountain and started heading back down, and dogs picked up on something and uh, took off and it was maybe a 10 minute walk to to get get to that tree um got up close to it and i i didn't see anything in the tree i was looking for a mountain lion um but it was a uh i believe was it a ponderosa pine dead ponderosa yeah pine? it was a dead ponderosa pine um so i'm looking up in the tree and didn't see nothing uh then then finally i noticed a little uh a lump uh, sitting on a on a branch up, up close to the trunk and but didn't want to be the newbie that that freaked out and thought I had something up there and start screaming and hollering. So I was going to wait for Calvin to be like, Hey, see that right there. That's what, that's what we're here for. <laughs> you like the way he played that off. Oh, yeah. oh, I saw it for, I saw it up there, but I didn't want to be the newbie. <laughs> Is that how you think it went Calvin? Did I don't know. He was, point, he was, did you he have was, to point it out to him? I don't know. He was behind me. So I, I really didn't see his Come on guys. Give him so. a break. He, <laughs> 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 no, it was it was good yeah we uh yeah. we started up just like how tanner said that the morning wasn't successful so the afternoon we left unit 12 and we transferred over to unit one um and um we just went up and the dog started opening as we got uh halfway up to to the base of the mountain and uh you know tanner was asking me questions again you know he, what are what are they doing now what are they on and I was telling them, I'm not sure because they're stomping on the tracks as, as they're going moving. But I was like, watch this. I was like, all right, you watch these two dogs. They're going to start opening. They have, they have a little bit colder nose. Now, when Nos, which is the red tick in the pack, he's got a, he's got a pretty warm nose. When he starts war- opening up, that track's freshen up. It's he's, we're near we're nearby somewhere. So dogs kind of line out and they make their way up the mountain and. The colder nose dogs are still opening, but the the warmer nose dogs are still following because they know you know it's they've done it before and they know what's going on. They know the game, so that happens. They go over one ridge line down up, and they go over two more ridge lines back towards the east, and they tree. Now they tree, and we get we me and Tanner are like all right, we you know we're all excited and start moving a little bit faster. You know that adrenaline's pumping. And we get to the tree, and it was a 
old dead ponderosa pine, and there was nothing in the tree. And I was, I was shaking my head and you know scratching my head. And I was like, I was like what is, what's going on? You know, I was like, this is not supposed to happen. So I call them off of it, and, you know, I do my due diligence, and I walk around the entire tree. There's nothing. So I pull them off of it, and my assumption is the cat rubbed against that dead ponderosa pine and bailed straight directly down the mountain. And that's that's what had happened. As soon as we pulled them off that tree, the dogs just took off straight back down the mountain opening. And they treed not, not even 100 yards from us again. And I was like, there's no way. There's, this, this is just ridiculous to have them tree twice. So, but, you know, benefit of doubt, me and Tanner walked mosey on down, you know. Get to the tree, and I didn't see nothing. It was a dead ponderosa pine, completely gray. Didn't see nothing, so I was starting to get frustrated and upset. I was like, these guys, maybe they're just, you know, tired and they're just treating. So, but did my due diligence again, and it's like, yeah, benefit of doubt, you know. Slowly made my way around the front of the tree, and sure enough, just like Tanner said, little, the trees, the trees completely gray and dead. And just on the side, just like I said, it looked like a knot in the tree. Yeah. The nice little round ball. The cat, the cat was just as gray as that that tree trunk. Isn't that crazy how they can blend in? Oh yeah, yeah. It it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome, and I was just like, "There's your cat," and then as like, "There's one of your cats," and then by that time, I'm fiddling around with all the camera gear, trying to get camera, you know, so we can get some footage, some pictures, and and he's wanna, he's want to <laughs> get the rifle out and go. Yep, there's guns up. Yep, there's our there's our guy. Ready to spray and pray, you know. He was a machine gunner. He was a machine gunner that that instant that, you know. Would you call it accuracy yep. by volume? Yep, yep. that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep, that came into play, and I had to literally <laughs> almost pry the entire weapon from his hand and tell him just wait. And he started glaring at me, you know. And it was just <laughs> <laughs> how many shots? How many shots did it take you? It, just the one. One just shot. The one. No volley, huh? No yep, volley no. involved. Nope. Just <laughs> yeah. the one shot. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, finding bobcats in, in trees is, isn't as easy as you would think. Now, I don't know, I've taken people on, on several coon hunts over the years, and we get used to looking at it. Steve, I know you have too, and mm-hmm. take those newbies out there, and you you got your light right on the coon, you're trying to show it to people, and they don't see it. Oh, one of the most frustrating things. <laughs> I wanna, I well, here we go. I won't give you any names on this one. <laughs> Let's just take when I was with, I will say with the AKC, and I was. we had a very uh, important person, let's say, on his first coon hunt who just happened to be the chairman of the board. <laughs> <laughs> and we're at the St. Jude hunt in Parsons, Tennessee, and, this, and Mike Creasy was our guide. And Mike had some good hunting around there. And, he took us out, and uh, <laughs> we treated a coon right off the bat. And, and I mean, that coon was like, I'm going to be on TV tonight, man. I'm going to just get out on this low limb out here, and I'm going to look. Yeah. We tried and tried and tried to show that coon to him, and I don't think we ever succeeded. <laughs> it, it was like, yeah, I, yeah I, th- I, think, I think I see it. Yeah, you know, so, was he expecting uh, to do jumping jacks out there on the limb or what? Oh no! <laughs> but yeah, yeah, animals but, can hide in a tree. They really uh, can. Even a bear tree. Yeah, I mean, you know, no leaves. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember sure. one time, uh, and I'll I'll stop with the rabbit paths, but I remember one time on a night hunt where the dogs had treed and we shined the entire eight or ten minutes. And minus, in other words, said there's no coon here, put a minus sign by the score, walked away from the yes, tree, sir. got all the way on top of the hill and turned around and looked back, and there's not one but two coons in the top of that tree looking back at us. Yep. And we had shined it all from underneath. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, animals can hide for yep. sure. Yep. Yep. I guess like- it's just nature, you know, that camouflages them. Yeah, we spend all kinds of money on all this <laughs> fancy camouflage gear and stuff, and and uh, you know God put the coat on the animals that yeah. is the most effective camouflage on the face of the earth. I don't know how many times I've seen deer standing. You'll be sitting in a tree stand, and you'll turn around. And there's a deer. You look in this spot, and all of a sudden, it's like a deer materializes out of the leaves, and it's been standing there the whole time. So it's no different with the game in the trees. Tanner, I want to ask you something. Okay, so so this is your first hound adventure. Is that right? Yes, that it be is. Okay. Yep. yep. So you get back to Indiana, and people will – you'll tell people that you went on this hound hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some people will say that, that hunting with hounds is not fair and that – the the houndsman has an unfair advantage in catching game you know so what would you say to that if somebody says if somebody says this well i don't agree with hunting with hounds because because it's unfair it's too easy it's too easy to go out and catch game with hounds what's what's going to be your response after being out here for a week Uh, first i'm gonna let them know i totally disagree with them uh the just talking to you guys and seeing what you got done this week the preparation and the time you put into this even before the hunt, before you even get out and, and start chasing game, uh, is is more than most people are going to want to put into it. And then uh, once the hunt starts, uh, you you got to know what you're doing with your dogs. Um, you you got to be a real houndsman. You're not just out there letting, letting a couple stray dogs run wild and then you're walking up <laughs> to a tree, you know, 100 yards later and blasting something out of the tree. You're out there working. Uh, working the dogs, moving up and down the mountains, uh, in this case, and uh, putting in the work. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that, that Steve and I have been talking about is the fact that if you're going to be successful in this this lifestyle that we live, I guess, I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. This has got to be a lifestyle if you're going to be successful. I mean, Calvin, you don't elk hunt. Well, you do elk hunt, but you're not. You don't guide elk hunters. You don't. You guide an outfit for mountain lions and bear and bobcats, right? Yeah, because I can't sit behind glass. I can't sit still and stare at the same mountainside, hoping and wishing I could see antlers. So, but what what would your hound pack look like if you if you did try to divide your time? What do you think your hound pack would be if you? It, if you did? it probably wouldn't be to the capacity that they're at right now, to be honest with you, if I had to divide my time between. Because there's a lot of, you know, scouting that has to go involved with uh, elk hunts and uh, mule deer hunts, depending on, you know, who your who your client is, mm-hmm. you know, and what their expectations are as far as scoring-wise. Uh, everybody, of course, wants to be in the 200 club for uh, muleys and the 400 club for elk. But, you know, there's... 
few few and far apart so it's just it's it it takes a lot of time away from being able to work and uh, take your dogs out yeah steve i'm i know that we've we've had this discussion about you know being a houndsman is a lifestyle it's not just we don't just come out on saturday and to be truly a houndsman it 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 it, it takes a commitment yeah absolutely and i you know, I'm thinking about that as you're talking, Calvin. And, you know, for many years, my dad and I bred a, a line of dogs that were successful on bear. And uh, it could be used on coon as well, but they were primarily bred for bear hunting. And, and it was a pretty good line of dogs. And uh, and I'd love to be able to do that, still breed that line of dogs. And I get a lot of people ask me about them, you know, from time to time. Well, just to interrupt you real quick, I'll be the interrupter here, uh, that – Kung Fu has bear bear pin blood, which was Stephen Holman Fielder's line of yeah. plots, and then Cajun and Diablo out here in the box show the bear pin plots back yeah. in their pedigree. Yeah, and well, the thing is that I would have loved to have continued to breed those dogs and all, but I know that my lifestyle, you know, retired now, living where I do, all that does not. Uh, facilitate, you know, keeping a pack of dogs, keeping them in shape, keeping them hunted down. And it's not something you, you can just go out there and do occasionally on a weekend now and then. You know, it is a lifestyle, you know, and and the breeding part of it, the training part of it, and then keeping those dogs hunted, you know. And what was it Mike Colley said about which puppy would be the best out of the litter? Oh, yeah. He, he, he'd have people show up at his kennel and say, you know, they're trying to pick this puppy out, and they'll say, well, which one do you think will, will, will be the best dog? And Mike just looks at him and says, the one that you hunt the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I used that a couple of times from from uh, from you guys' previous podcasts. Yep. Saying. Yep. Yeah, and so when you can't do that, you know, you have to, to be uh, honest with yourself. You know, I, I can't breed puppies and say that they're – going to be bear catchers if i'm not out there catching bears you know regularly with mom and dad you know well there are bear catchers out there out that bear pen line and obviously this isn't an infomercial for bear pen plots because they don't even exactly yeah how many generations do you think it's probably well due to you know some frozen semen litters and things like that oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know a couple generations back but most of that is it's you know Gone by the wayside. What you know, you know West Virginia guys, Evan Workman, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for sure, and his team up there are still still hunting that right, line of dogs, right. and yeah. all the way up into Wisconsin. But it is a lifestyle. The point being yeah. that you can't. This is not something you can do casually. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's well, why I think extreme houndsmen, you know, extreme performance fits. You know, what yeah. the message we're trying to relay here is that. You know, you can't. You've um, you have to be extreme to be good. Right. right. So, um, what game was it you played after you shot that cat out of the tree, <laughs> Tanner? Oh, uh, played a little bit of whack a mole. Um, so I was definitely excited to get that cat out of the tree, but the dogs were almost almost just as excited as I was that that cat was out of the tree. Um, and I think you were still. You you went back to grab the camera, maybe. Yeah, I would. Hey, leave that cat there, but just keep the dogs off of it. They'll pull the hair out. And so I'm doing 360s around that cat, chase, trying to chase these dogs off playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Well, the rest of the week, you know, we've had Gary Robertson up here. He started out the week with us and then had to, to cut out. Gary's been extremely good to us from the podcast side. But Absolutely. he really he really stepped up for, you know, this Freedom Hunters hunt, getting the rifle. Um, Carnivore TV has got sponsorship through Trigicon and Hornady. And, of course, Gary's on the as a Ruger ambassador, so he pulled all that package together for you. You've got a Ruger 350 Ranch uh, in 350 Legend. And uh, he arranged for that Trigicon RMR site. Yeah. And then... Where's that ammo at? I'm supposed to take some ammo. Have you still got it in your room, or have I got it? Yeah, I got it down in my room. Okay. I got you it might... sitting on the table for you. Though. All right. Yeah, you might be a couple boxes light by the time it gets back <laughs> just for transportation fee. And I already cleared that with Gary, and he said it would be all right. All right. So, because I'm shooting the same rifle. Uh, but, uh, oh, man, I, there's just been a lot of people that come together. Sure, yeah, there's – Make it work. There is a lot. I mean, there's plenty of uh, – thinking around to do that's for sure yeah yeah it's just well one of the things that um when we were on the on the rocks yesterday up there uh that was one of the most amazing places that i've i've been while i was here we were i don't know what if that's got a special name where we're up there on those red rocks where diablo got up on top of that rock (laughs) (laughs) no 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 that's just just Some Barton Unit One, so so it was amazing. Let me let me describe it. So there's this one red, bigger red rock that runs down the center, and it's a it's a huge dome. And it's probably as long as a football field, maybe longer. It's probably about 15 feet high. It's half round, and then on both sides of it there are these big red rock shelves, and you could literally play basketball up there. It's so flat, and uh, uh, it's just open and it was kind of a, a an amazing thing, and and like we've maybe we've said before in the podcast, it seems like everywhere we went, we had the uh, iconic ship rock in the background <laughs> where we could see that the rock with the wing. Yeah, yeah, rock <laughs> with the wings, and uh, but I was standing there, and Lauren was Lauren was on the up there with us, and I looked out there, and I said, you know what? said, there's probably a lot of people that drive, that don't live here, that drive across this reservation. But there are probably very few people that will ever be able to look at Shiprock from where I'm at right now. On that, from that part. I mean, it was, I don't know how far that was up in there, a mile? Yeah, it was about a mile, yeah. Two miles, a mile and a half, two miles, I don't know. But uh, if it hadn't been for Hounds... I would have been one of those people just driving down the, the paved road, going to Shiprock, looking up there and saying, oh, look at that, you know. But being out there on that rock and looking back over all that country was is a spirit, is almost a spiritual experience. Oh, yeah. that uh, and, and almost everywhere we went, it was, you know, you, I'm slugging up the mountain, st- trying to stay up with Calvin. And then when we do get to a spot where we get a stop, you turn around and look down the mountain at the view. And, and it, it was amazing. Uh, every, almost everywhere we went, amazing views. Yeah, yeah. The thing that, that hits me every time that I come out west, and especially this on this trip, because you know there's a uh, there isn't a lot of forest here. Yeah, you know, and, and it's just endless panoramas. You know, in any direction that you look, and I think about the people that 
used the only means to travel they had was to walk. Yeah. And then maybe the horse later on or whatever. But we were looking standing one mesa today and looking across to another. You were talking about the elk moving from one side to the other, yeah. you know. And yeah, it looks like that's not so far over there. It'd take you all day probably to Yeah, walk it was that. it was yeah, it was about a little bit over a mile from where we're standing and that's not to include, you know, going all the way down. All down and up mm. and all but it's just uh and you get the idea, like where I live on the east coast and all the population and everything and that things seem so crowded. And yeah. then you get out here and then you do feel it's kinda appropriate this freedom hunters. Uh, I felt that this week. Yeah. I felt free, you know. Yeah, no Look doubt. at this. I mean, what a great, great world, you know, and what a beautiful part and, part of it. And that's the best part about <clears throat> being on the Navajo Nation, you know, being able to hunt the Navajo Nation is you buy a tag, you can go anywhere you want on the Navajo Nation. If you don't have a tag or a backcountry permit, and if you're not Navajo, you're restricted to the hardball road. You cannot leave the hardball road. And that's that's the beauty of it, you know. It's just quiet. Anyway, if the dogs weren't trailing, you can stop and literally hear your heartbeat. It's yeah. awesome. It's it's completely that is amazing. absolutely true. I, I I experienced that this week too, you know. Uh, and I hear that we have some of our canine friends outside. Yeah, you know? that's good. They wanted to be on the podcast. It's proof that we're actually around <laughs> that's the house. Right. But I noticed that stillness that quiet mm-hmm. you know you know getting back to that that deal where you're looking out across those mesas and you know elk take a day or you know a lion tr- will travel 10 to 20 miles a night of tom tom will in this country mm-hmm. they live here they know this is where they make their living they're here every day and getting back to that concept that somehow Coming in here and chasing chasing game with our hounds is an unfair advantage. <laughs> is so ridiculous. You know, it's nothing. That that line doesn't say, oh, well, that's a 20-mile walk. I don't think I'm going to make that. Today. He's just like, well, you know, I'm going to drive to Walmart. Or, you know, that's just his, his idea of it. And he knows where he needs to go, and he knows how he needs to do it. And then we're trying to come into his world with hounds that that don't live on that landscape and don't know it as well as he does and then try to get to them and i'm telling you what there's some rock formations out here that if some hounds got over on those rock formations mm-hmm. we might have to call mountain rescue or something because i'm not sure i'd go out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah um mountain lions are lazy but they know where they're going and how they're going to get there and how long it's going to take to get there you know, the more experienced cats know how to evade their predators, which is humans. And now, you know, the pack of hounds that we used to help us uh, trail them and put them in trees. And yeah. Not necessarily have to take that animal, but to just be there and experience. When we were trailing, we broke, we split today. Mm-hmm. You guys had a race. Yep. And uh, you weren't successful in your race. No, um uh, the dogs opened and then they went 900 yards and it just came to a dead stop, like a complete dead stop. And we were, I was kind of excited because it was like, okay, well, this has happened before. And usually they tree if they come to it, like 
they were at a dead dead sprint and it just stopped. So I was like, all right, they should probably the cat somewhere in the tree now. They just need located. We drove down there and you know the dogs went here, went there, did circles, tighter circles, bigger circles, and nothing. And come to find out that they more than likely took the backtrack. Mm -hmm. So we rounded them all up, went back, and uh, they didn't want nothing to do with that track afterwards. So I mean, I isn't that strange? Just yep, just yep. scratch your head and try to figure this out. Yeah. So that that wasn't quite a quite a unfair advantage for you and then the race that i was on today uh me and another guy were roading my hounds down a, a two track and uh, my jazz female all of a sudden she just hit that spot in that road where you can you know they're just plodding down the road and then all of a sudden it's like somebody yanks them with a string and just yanks that head around and she starts opening and trails out towards the rim of the mesa and and uh actually reset her she trailed six miles through there and i ended up catching her because the roads were thawing out so bad that i was afraid that i'd get stuck up there and i didn't have any communication with you guys so you know it, it's um uh, it's one of those things that and we actually saw the tracks it was a smaller lion but since we were going to last day of hunt i just thought i'd let her go ahead and run it out and and then when she got close to the road i walked in and, and called her off of it and brought her out but fun and yeah, i don't care it's still fun i don't care if we caught lions or not this week i'd love to have had 20 pictures but uh but we can do this again yeah it's 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 amazing it's not about you know it's not about taking that animal it's about experiencing the dogs and being with the dogs and being outdoors and, and that's just my opinion i mean yeah it would have been not nice to be able to walk underneath of a tree and see a long tail but you know it's just something obviously, that a lot of people experience. Yeah, obviously. Experience. I mean, Steve, we do this because we want to catch game. Deep downside, right? We do it because we uh, love to hear a hound bark. Yeah. We love to be in the, the places, though, as our friend Clay Newcomb says, you know, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. Well, to just get out in the wild places with a hound – and like today, hearing those hounds open up, you know, that excitement after a quiet morning, and then hear those hounds open up, and then right away, man, I mean, it's like all hands on deck, man. We got it going, going now. It, you can't explain it to someone who's never experienced it, yeah. but it is a true joy to a to a houndsman yeah. to listen to a hound on track. It's it's the greatest thing in the world. Well probably next to family and faith or whatever it's really the greatest thing we can do yeah yeah well tanner are you going to get a hound when you get back to indiana what are you going to do we don't want to rope you into anything because i know you got to make some <laughs> phone calls and make some yeah, <laughs> yeah let, let my wife know we may be getting a dog when i get back uh, <laughs> no this is definitely opening my eyes up because um, coming into this i, I didn't know no thing one about uh, about houndsmanship or or running dogs uh but yeah i i definitely think it's in the future i got got a one-year-old son at home and um i think uh i need to be i'll be in contact with you guys so we can get something lined up so when he he gets old enough i got got a dog me and him can take out and, and do some hunting 
So being your first experience, let me ask you this. What were your preconceived ideas of what this would be? Hmm. Honestly, I don't know if I have a, a good answer for that. Um, I knew one, I was, I was going to hunting or I was going hunting, uh, in an awesome place. I'd looked online and, and, uh, saw some of the landscape. So I knew I was going to, going to love that. Um, got to interact with you guys on the phone, uh, before I came out here. Uh, so I, I'd figured I was with a good group of guys. Um, so I knew I was going to have a good time with that. The dog hunting side, uh, really, really didn't know what to expect. Um, but I, Yeah, no, uh, I, I don't want to lie to you and, and make up make up one big story on what I expected. Um, I had no idea, no idea how, how it was going to go, what I was going to learn, uh, what I was going to see. Um, but definitely everything I so learned. So you didn't lay in bed at night and think that before this hunt and think there had to be something going through your mind of, you know, like when I'm getting ready to do something I've never done before, I start, you know, thinking about what it could be like is it going to be hard is it going to be easy is it going to be what's my involvement going to be what are some of those things that okay that, um I, I see what you're saying now um am i going to yeah. sit at the truck and wait for him to tree a tree a line and they'll call me on a radio and i walk in there and shoot it well i i knew that wasn't going to happen because i would have been arguing with you guys the whole way I, right. I wanted to get up there and mix it up and and uh <laughs> Um, I definitely expect to do a lot of a lot of hiking. I knew we were going to. Uh, you know, so what you mountains. were saying is you were mentally preparing for that battle in case we told you you had to stay at the truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I think my biggest concern was was being able to. Uh, I knew I wouldn't step by step keep up with the dogs, but keeping up up with the dogs uh, and getting up the mountain and and doing what I needed to do uh, for myself. Um, so uh, yeah, I was was a little worried about the the hiking. Didn't know if I was going to be up to snuff on that. Yep. Yep. You passed with flying colors. No doubt. No. I mean, Thank you were right there when you Calvin Shadow all week long. And yep. yep. Every time I'd stop, Tanner be run, running into me. So, I, You know, I was kind of expecting Calvin to, to be a little better in the mountains than what he is. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was disappointed. I was like. Really? You live out here every day, and this is the best you can do? I tried. I, I tried. You know, I kind of felt sorry yeah. for Tanner the first day because, uh, you know, right away, you guys just threw me. You're going with Tanner. You're going to ride with Calvin. You're right there with him out of the truck. You go. The dogs are loose. Come on. Come on, Tanner. Let's get it on. And I'm thinking, boy, they're not breaking him in slow. <laughs> Uh, did you have any feelings about that right off the off the bat or uh, okay. uh i i was a little worried because i knew calvin's in the mountains a lot um but after that first day uh i learned a little bit more about him knew knew he had a lot of pride uh in himself and his dogs so i knew i wanted to stay right on his heels and and push him and let him know that uh even though i'm from cornfields in indiana i can i can do my best to keep up with him on the mountains so. <laughs> Yeah, we had to stop a couple of times because he had layered up a little bit too many times, too many layers on. But other than that, we did pretty good. You know, he he kept up. You know, that's a yep. common mistake, though. You know, everybody does that. They think that they start out and they're staying at the truck and they're mm -hmm. cold and and uh, 
everybody everybody makes that mistake i i started up the mountain yesterday and stopped and took off my yep. took off a couple layers and threw them on my pack i, sh- I knew better i should have started out in the in the merino and known that i was going to get but i'll tell you what the, the back side of that mountain was cold yesterday <laughs> it was cold up there. hey what yeah, was, blowing. was it yesterday morning there was 15 degrees up there I don't know or day before I don't know. One morning, I, I know I think it was, was fifteen. Day, it was, I think, it was the day before that we, when we, on day four, I think it was, when we cut those tracks and, and mm, uh, we we're driving right. on the backside and, and wind the wind was, blowing, was blowing and it oh, started snowing yeah. on us. The dogs were trailing and <laughs> that wind and snow just covered up all the tracks and uh, we. It wasn't exactly a Chamber of Commerce day for sunny Arizona, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely not. We need to show more of those those types of days to people from California. Yeah, yeah. So they don't keep coming in here and and uh, <laughs> invading the state. It's beautiful. But either way, with that, with the intensity we were we were moving and and the Kuyu gear, you guys had lined me out with. Uh, yeah, I was down to base layers in about 20 minutes every day. Um, well, yeah. yeah, including the pants. You shed the pants too. I mean, it's yeah, we. You yeah, went native. Was, you were like wearing a loincloth, and yeah, Calvin, Calvin showed showed me uh, how I need to wear it, and, and it worked well for me all week. That's kind of funny because yeah. we don't wear loincloths, but <laughs> <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it was fun. You know, me, me and Tanner, we. Got our exercises in. We did, on average, about five, six miles walking with the dogs and going up these, you know, ravines and draws and fingers and ridges and cliffs and you name it. We just about walked every one of them. But yeah. Well, here's a question. All. Here's a question. If knowing what you know now, and even though you get didn't get a mountain lion this week, you got a nice bobcat. Would you do it again? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Even and I'm I'm pumped about that bobcat, but even if for some reason you pulled that out of the picture, I I'd be back out here doing it again. Uh watching the dogs being around you guys and um I, I think I was telling Calvin or, or or maybe you Steve, uh being around you guys where you are you you found your thing and you found your niche, you found what you want to do and you were all in. And and being around guys like that was 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 definitely um a big bonus on the week. We got any final thoughts? Well, just from my uh, standpoint, being the elder statesman, so to speak, here, it's the it's really hunter. great the, to the see. Red, the Red Rock Lion Hunter. Oh, yeah, the old grizzled lion hunter <laughs> with the sunburned face. Yeah, yeah. Sent a picture home to Ella. <laughs> I said, here's the old Red Rock Lion Hunter. She says, well, you're sunburned, and you look like you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, watching you guys in the prime of your life do the thing you love is an, is an amazing thing for a guy like me. I had to lay back on some of those walks, you know, and listen and watch the Garmin and all these different things. You know, we got in on the bobcat hunt and, and all. But um, it, it's thing of pride for me to see uh, this uh, lifestyle in action. It, it's a very much appreciated that a guy like me can still get out with guys like you and enjoy it, you know, which I do. You know, the the shame of it all is that the body slows down with age. But uh, 
anyway, I felt good out here this week and had a had a fantastic time and uh, so glad we did this. Chris, I, you know, uh, when you uh, first told us that, about Freedom Hunters and uh, the contacts you'd made and and all, and I got to thank you for doing a lot of legwork on this. And of course, Calvin's been in from day one, and, right? And uh, really, uh, so anyway, just that's my that's my closer. Well, I'll uh, tell you what, concluder. I, I want to touch on that for just a second. You know, it, it's still important. It it's an encur- It should be an encouragement to our senior houndsmen in this sport, not to quit. Mm-hmm. don't quit stay in it i remember hunting with barry tarleton mm-hmm. in uh out of greenville tennessee and we we're actually crossing in north carolina and barry would go to the mountains every day when he was 82 or 83 years old i don't even know how old he was when he quit going to the mountains and uh his grandson and his great-grandson they all had an agreement that that barry would stay back at the truck and he would be the wheel man and you'd be walking back in from a tree and you'd find him two or three hundred he'd be trying to creep down the trail and get out there closer to it because he was a lifelong houndsman but the thing that that you bring to it steve and the things that barry tarleton brought to it was that wisdom of being able to add value to the hunt you know um just being able to sit there and analyze what was happening with dogs and and just that overall wisdom, a lifetime of knowledge and wisdom that, that our senior houndsmen bring to this. They've dedicated a life to it, and we still have to. So my encouragement would be, you know, if you if you can't make the 1,000-foot climbs anymore, then be a part of it. The younger houndsmen need our, our, the experience of our older houndsmen to be involved and share that time with us out there. Mm-hmm. That's my thought on it. I agree with you. You know, I pick Steve's ear off of, uh, as far as bloodlines, and I think I, I think you two gentlemen just got about as tired as me as I got as tall as much as I could tolerate old Ginger across the room over there asking me questions every two seconds. <laughs> yeah, he was. That <laughs> sometimes I thought it was it was my daughter, you know. <laughs> Daddy, daddy, what about this? What about this? What about this? But it was good, you know. I mean, that's what we're here for, you know. Hopefully, we installed some sort of knowledge and a different lifestyle that Tanner can take home, and maybe one day, hopefully, him and his son could hit the woods with the hound. I hope that was our mm-hmm. ultimate goal, and hopefully, we've kind of took a step in the right directions with him. But uh, all in all, we I had a great time. It was it was a blast, you know. All the fun, joking, teasing put aside, I'd do it all over again no matter what, in a heartbeat. Any final thoughts, Tanner? Well, going off your, your, your wisdom, I, I learned from, from all you guys, uh, every one of you. I'd, I'd ask a, a question, and you guys would have, have a good, uh, good answer for me. Um, but I think at some point, uh, I may mention it to you, Chris, Man, Steve, he needs to write a book on all this stuff he knows about hound hunting. And then you brought it to my attention that that he's already <laughs> already done that. So, yeah, yeah the the knowledge that that you guys passed, I I can't say how much I I appreciate everything, in, including the knowledge, because yeah, you guys put up with a lot of uh, 
silly questions at times, I'm sure, but, um, but not at all, no. not at all. It was it was exciting to see somebody with your energy come out. I was really happy with the fact that I've hunted with other people that were less than enthusiastic about they want to go, they want to go, and then and then they talk a good game. But when it comes time to go, and they're not they're not engaged, and it was there was no doubt by the end of the week you were knowing what dogs were doing. You were being able to identify tracks you were able to run the garmin so i appreciate your enthusiasm you bet so and i think i can speak for steve and i and houndsman xp and res hounds and and uh, freedom hunters collectively and uh, all our sponsors that it was an honor to have you here to share this experience with it really was you know considering the sacrifice uh, your service to your country and the sacrifices that you and your family have made. It's, it was a real honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. We picked a real winner for this. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. You don't know what you're going to get, but we, we, we came out good on this one. So, Stephen, we'll kick it over to you. All right. I guess it's that time of day. We got an old lion track out there. It's old. It's encrusted snow. Maybe made a day or two ago. We all got a hound, each one of us. Jazz is going one way, and the Reds hounds are going the other way. <laughs> and Chris says to Calvin, you follow your hound, and I'll follow mine. Yep, good deal. <laughs>